Amen. If you have your Bibles and want to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, that's where we're going to be today. Let's do this. Look at this. There we go. All right. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Last week we started in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be spending the next few months in there through the end of June. And uh, so, hope that you have that turn there. Uh, we did the first half of chapter 1 last week, and we're going to finish up the second half today. Uh, as we look in the book of Ephesians, again, just remind you of a couple things. One, uh, please take time. I want to encourage you to take time at least once a week to sit down and read through the entire letter. It is meant to read as a letter. It takes about 20 minutes, 18 minutes, 22 minutes, where, however you read. And uh, as long as you don't get sidetracked, you can sit and read it in about 20 minutes. I encourage you to do that at least once. I think it's good to do that, to read it in its full context. Uh, also remember that this first half, we're really talking about who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. And I like, I like to think of the first half of the book as kind of like our being in Christ. Uh, and then the second half of the book, it trans, uh, kind of uh, moves over to now that we know who we are in Christ, now it's how we should then live uh, for Christ. And so kind of that whole idea of being and doing. And uh, so we're going to spend that now. Uh, even, even in our being, I can't help but sometimes add application to that. So there might still be some doing that go along with the being, and that's just the way that, that it comes out for me. So, uh, so if that happens, you know, we still want to be. We want to be in Christ. We don't want to just do in Christ. We want to be in Christ, uh, but it's important for both. So um, as I said, last week we were in the first half of chapter 1, and uh, we looked at the 12 different times that it either said in Christ or in him, or in love, in the beloved. Uh, Twelve different times it said those things. It says, in Christ we are, we have, we are faithful. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. In Christ we are holy and blameless. In, in him we are his children. We are granted grace and redemption. We are forgiven. We know the mystery. We are united. We have an inheritance. We, are, we have a hope in his glory. And we are sealed by his Holy Spirit. Those are the things that we talked about last week and the things that we are in and that we have because we are in Christ. And, and again, as I read through that, I don't want to just gloss over that because uh, those are some great things that if we truly understood and would be in him understanding those things, I think that, uh, man, just the, the excitement that I know I get when I think about all the things that I have just because I'm in Christ, all the things he makes available for us. So... Um, so this week we're going to look at the second half and, and it's so, of chapter 1, and it's so hard because, as I've said before, there's so much here, but you know we, we could be in Ephesians for three years, really. Uh, there's, there's just so much here, and even as I've, this morning, as I've been praying, continued to pray this morning, I'm like, okay, Lord, help me to uh, know and say the, the parts that we need to hear as a whole today. Um, if something stands out to you, I want to encourage you. Go home, dive in, dig deeper, spend more time. Grab a friend and get together and spend more time. Grab a few friends and do that. Because there is a lot here, and we are kind of just hitting the bullet points of it. Uh, and, and my hope is maybe to encourage you to, to, go, to go deeper with it. So if you would, I'm going to encourage you to stand as we read God's Word together this morning. Uh, in honor of God's Word, I'll read and you follow along. Uh, beginning there in verse 15. 
And I will read through the end of the chapter, verse 23. Ephesians 1, verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he extended when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the pre present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Father, we thank you for this, for your word. We thank you here for this um, letter that that Paul wrote to first this, the church here in Ephesus, and then out to all the churches, and now for us to read. Lord, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit will move in our hearts today. That you will give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, Father, what you are saying to us in your word here. Father, more importantly, that we would take what you say through your word and through your spirit and that uh, we would draw near to you and that we would walk in you, abide in you. One, because you, you deserve it. And two, so that we can be an example for you in this world that is lost and so desperately needs you. Father, we thank you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So here's Paul, and he is, uh, he's praying. He's praying for the, church, for the church here that he has sent this letter to, and uh, he's praying for the church. And I really appreciate what he does and how he prays in the church. How do you feel when someone prays for you? Doesn't that feel nice? I would say even how do you feel when you get to pray for someone else, too? When you get to pray for someone, there's something that happens when we have opportunity to pray for people or when we have someone pray for us. And, uh, and if you were to take this and, and really think about this, uh, put this in the context, if you were there in that church uh, there in Ephesus or when this was first read, you know, whoever to, uh, to, the, uh, to the church there, could you imagine Paul praying this for you? I mean, this is, this is some, pretty, uh, some pretty great stuff. Um, I believe that God has uh, preserved this letter for us here in God's, in his word for us to read. And so, in a sense, I do believe that Paul was praying this even for us as we have this now with us today. When I read this, I really do get overwhelmed at all, at exactly what it is that Paul is praying for and what he's asking. And so we want to take time today and look at the reality of what Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus and, and ultimately for us. And, and I would say, man, I want to encourage us, maybe we should start praying this way for each other. Because these are some really good things. The first thing that Paul asks for is that he asks the Father to give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they will know him better. There in verse 17, 
He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. Philippians 3.8 says this, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Leave that up there for a second. Look at that verse. I consider everything else a loss, everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, Christ Jesus, my Lord. What is that saying? That's saying, what's more valuable than knowing Jesus? Nothing. There is nothing more valuable than knowing Jesus. And so Paul, as he prays for the church here, he's saying to them, hey, the most important thing I want to pray for you is that you will understand that you will receive a spirit of wisdom, that you will receive a spirit of revelation, because that is what is going to allow you to know Jesus. And there's nothing better than knowing Jesus. Nothing better. We, we get wrapped up in all kinds of things in this world, don't we? Don't, we can't, and it's easy to. And, uh, and we even think about things that might be even more important than some other things. Things, But there is nothing better than knowing Jesus. And I would say this, continuing to know Jesus. Um, and the way that we do that is through the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, um, Jesus praying, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, remind you of everything I have said to you. We will know, and he reveals stuff to us through his Holy Spirit. <coughs> Later in chapter 16, uh, verses 12 through 15, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. It continues. There we go. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And so as we continue to abide in Jesus, as the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, he will continue to make himself known to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. As we walk and live in Jesus, we have opportunity to get to know him more. And Paul says that's the most worthwhile thing. That's the most worthwhile thing. Now, I want to be careful here because some of this is getting to know facts. We need to learn facts about Jesus, don't we? Some of that is getting to know facts. Some of it is, is then beyond facts. When you first get to know someone, usually you get to know facts about them, right? You learn their name. That's an important one. I'm just telling you right now, if you're starting a new friendship, relationship, get to know their name first. That's important. It'll come in good use. Um, but you get to know those facts. You might get to know their birthday. You might get to know what their favorite activities are. You kind of do those things. And so it's important for us to learn facts about Jesus, but then we need to get to know the person of Jesus. One of the things that strikes me is that Paul is reading this, or Paul is writing this and saying this. He's praying these things for these. These guys don't have the New Testament. They don't have the New Testament. 
And so a lot of what they're learning is because they do have the Holy Spirit inside of them. And then these letters that are coming from Paul are coming to him. And so they're taking these and reading these and listening to these. And these are part of the tools that are being used by the Spirit, by Jesus, for them to get to know who Jesus is. A lot of these would, would not have met Jesus, would not have personally known him. And so a lot of that is through the Holy Spirit. Now, we, we have an advantage. I think we have an advantage because we do have the New Testament. And we do have opportunity to learn who the person of Jesus is because of the Gospels, because of these letters that are written. And so we need to take time. And it is about spending time in these. As we get to know Christ, we get to have and know and understand the mind of Christ, who he is. He gives us truth. He gives us his wisdom. He gives us his knowledge. This is a continual knowing Jesus. I know my parents differently now than I did when I was eight years old, right? I know my parents now differently than when I knew them at, at 18 years old. And, and I would say that every year. 28, I knew him differently. 38, I know him differently. 48, I know him differently. In a few, we'll say 58, I'm going to know him differently. My relationship with them changes. It changes. It grows. It, you know, when I was a kid, I depended on my parents for, for everything. I depended on them for uh, protection, for provision. For I depended, I depended on them for all of those things. And that was, you could say, that was my relationship with my mom and dad. They took care of me. They raised me. That's what it was about. Then as I got older and I started realizing, especially when I turned 22, 23, how smart they actually were, um, I started valuing their input even more, right? And now... I talk with my dad, I talk with my mom, and, and there's a lot of just almost, almost peer relationship conversation that takes place. I love doing some of the same activities that they enjoy doing, and we do it as more friends than, you know what I mean? That makes sense? That relationship has grown and changed. I know my parents better now than I did as an eight-year-old. Our relationship with Jesus should be that same way. It should be growing. It should be, it should be getting past the idea of I know these facts about Jesus to now I know and understand and am growing and knowing Jesus. And that is what Paul is praying that, this, that these guys, that they would understand that the Father would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they will know him better. And that's our prayer. Um, one of the times that I think of where I feel like I, that the Lord gave me the spirit of wisdom and revelation was my licensing interview with the Alliance. Um, and I say this because, you know, I graduated from TFC in 94 and uh, kind of did some different things and ended up working, you know, different, different jobs and business and then with the Boys and Girls Club and the YMCA. And I didn't get into full-time church ministry because I believe that with the YMCA and Boys and Girls Club, I was in full-time ministry. I would even say when I was managing the different restaurants I managed, I was still in ministry. Um, but full-time church ministry until 2004, so 10 years after I had graduated. 
And I was at an Alliance church, but it was an affiliated Alliance church, so I didn't actually have to become licensed with the Alliance because it was affiliated, but I thought, yeah, I'll do it. And uh, so I'd been in this ministry for about a year and a half, and I went to district conference, and I pull up to district conference, and I'm in the parking lot, and my pastor comes up to me in the parking lot and says, hey, did you bring a suit? I'm like, well, yes, I did. He goes, good, go put it on. You have your licensing interview in 30 minutes. No pre-warning, no knowledge of this at all. I hadn't studied. I didn't prepare. I didn't even know what the questions were going to be about. The thing was, he was on the LOCC. He was on the committee that did this, and he knew it was coming. I had no idea it was coming at all. And so I grabbed my suit. I didn't even have time to check into my room. Went to a friend. I t- called a friend. I said, where are you? He goes, I'm in my room. I said, where is it? And so I went to his room. I changed in there. Um, the guys, there were some guys hanging out. They prayed, prayed for me. And I went into the licensing interview not having studied a thing. And, uh, but the, the Lord, the Spirit showed up. And uh, I believe he gave me wisdom and revelation that day and was able to get through. And I remembered scriptures that I hadn't looked at in years uh, I was able to turn to scriptures. I would say something like, well, where do you find that in scripture? And I would turn my Bible, and there it was, right there on that page. And I'd say, thank you, Jesus, for turning that page for me. Um, and we revealed that. And we got done. They sent me out after about an hour and a half. They talked for 20 minutes. They brought me back in, and they said, when did you graduate from TFC? And I said, I graduated in 94. And uh, they said, so it's been 11 years. I said, yeah, it's been 11 years. And they said, well, we think that you did that as well as someone coming fresh out. And I'm like, well, that's all praise to Jesus. Uh, They said, say, of course, like most everyone, go read and study more on sanctification. Um, I'll do that. And, uh, And so I got licensed. But I was very thankful, very thankful for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in that moment because I believe that God gave me what I needed to know in that moment. Second thing that Paul prays for them here, verse 18, Paul prays that their heart will be enlightened to know the hope of his glorious inheritance. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And so when I think about this, I think I ask the question, well, what is his glorious inheritance? What hope do I have? What am I placing that hope in? What is that? And for me, for me, it's eternal life. It's eternity with Jesus. It's, it's being able to be with the God of this universe, the creator of everything, the Holy One, forever. That's the inheritance. Now, it says we're going to get other things, but man, for me, that's enough. To come face to face with the Holy of Holies and be able to stay with Him I, I just think that we'll be in such an awe of this incredible being, creature, God, that that's going to be enough just to be able to be in his presence forever. But I also think that part of the understanding, the hope and enlightened part of this is understanding what the gift is that he's given us and who we are now in him. Who we are in him. And we talked about this last week, but it's important for us to understand our identity in Him. Because I believe when we understand our identity in Him, that our hope for that inheritance, that hope for eternal life, will be even more, it'll be even more. It'll be even more. 
to our identity in him. Uh, when I was in college, there were a couple posters that were very popular. And I don't know if you remember these or not. I know you probably can't. You can't read that. I can barely read back there. But this, the look of this, it had two posters. It had this one. They were both rainbow colored like this. In the middle of this one, it says, I am. It says, I am. And it says, and I'm going to just read it right here because I have it on my phone. So a little bit easier for me here. It says, I am. And it says, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Holy One, Lamb of God, Prince of Life, Lord God Almighty, Lion of the tribe of Judah, Root of David, Word of Life, Author and Finisher of our faith, Advocate, The Way, Day Spring, Lord of All, I Am. I'm halfway through. Okay? Son of God, Shepherd and Bishop of Souls, Messiah, The Truth, Savior, Chief Cornerstone, King of Kings, Righteous Judge, Light of the World, Head of the Church, Morning Star, Son of Righteousness, Lord Jesus Christ, Chief Shepherd, Resurrection and Life, Horn of Salvation, Governor, the Alpha and Omega. There's not an amen for that? Amen. That's exciting. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that wants to live inside of us. That's the God that wants us to abide in Him. That's exciting. But as a result of that, a a matching poster that went along with this was this one that says, You Are. Does anyone remember these posters? What's really cool about each of these is if you see them close up and you can't see them here, is under each name they have a scripture reference that goes along with it. And so this is you are. This is our inheritance. This is our identity in Jesus. As believers, you are saved forever by grace through faith, forgiven, accepted, beloved of God, servants of the Most High God, new creatures, dead to sin, alive to God, walking in the newness of life, baptized into Christ Jesus, the temple of the Holy Spirit, clothed with Christ, holy, blameless, at peace with God, Christians, you are, I'm only halfway through, born again, partakers of the divine nature, empowered by God, children of promise, one in him, the body of Christ, seated in heaven, kingdom citizens, a royal priesthood, vessels of honor, salt of the earth, light of the world, soldiers of Christ, fishers of men, ministers of reconciliation, victorious. Amen. That's who we are in Christ. I, I, I haven't seen these posters hung up anywhere in years, but I'm like, man, if I could find those again, because they are amazing. It is such a reminder of who Jesus is and who we are in him. And I believe that when Paul is praying that their hearts will be enlightened to know the hope of his glorious inheritance, that we will find excitement in who we are in Jesus. And I just believe that if we were truly excited in who we are in Jesus, that that would come out and it would come out so naturally we wouldn't have to go out and try to evangelize. It would just come out of who we are. And we'd have opportunity to tell people about Jesus. These are the realities that should give us hope, our identity in Jesus. And because we are these things, We know we have eternal life. We know we have eternal life. We know we will spend eternity with him. Who wants that? 
Oh my goodness. Who wants that for those people out there? They don't have that hope. They don't know. The third thing he prays for them, verse 19, the end of verse 19, he prays that their heart will be enlightened concerning the power that is available to them because of their belief. Verse 18, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Power. Do we believe in that power? Do we believe we have that power? Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Most churches I've been in, we sure make it a matter of talk, don't we? We don't make it a matter of power. Uh, Jesus in John 14, verse 12, very truly I tell you this, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Greater things. Do we truly believe that we will do greater things or that we should be doing greater things or that we are now doing greater things? Or do we still think, I can't do what Jesus did. Well, I mean, you're right. I can't do what Jesus did. Jesus threw me. Jesus in me. Do we believe that? I don't know that we truly live that way as American Christians. Maybe it's part of our whole, I can do it myself. I can take care of myself. Maybe it's pride. Maybe, we're, maybe there's fear. What if I truly gave Jesus? What if, I don't know what. Well, what kind of power are we talking about here? Jesus said we'll do greater things. I believe that it's all really, I think sometimes we get worried about maybe some gift that might show up from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit might show up in a way that I don't understand. I'm all for that. Let's go. Some, most people aren't that way, though. They're like, wait, I don't, if I don't understand this, I'm not. You know, part of it, I think it is the gifts. It's the fruit of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit is the one that God gives us. Sometimes it's a supernatural thing. I think it's just the way that his love in reaching people and showing this world who he is. We will do great things. We will have opportunity to share with more people through the Holy Spirit. We will see more people come into the kingdom because he's poured his Spirit out on us and so now we can go talk and share. Any of those ways might be more about his power. When have you experienced the power of Jesus in your life? Can you think of a time? Can you think of a time? Do you continue to invite that power to live in you? Do you continue to ask Jesus to allow that power to come out of you for his benefit? For the kingdom's benefit? Sometimes it might be in the way we talk. Sometimes it might be in the way we pray. Sometimes it might be in the way we give. 
Sometimes it might be in the way we encourage. It might be in the way that we love people. God, this person is not easy to love. I need your power to do it. Sometimes it might be supernaturally that we're not ready for and we don't expect, but if we are a vessel used by him, he's ready to go. Are we ready to go with that power? If you flip over to Acts chapter 3, which direction is that? Here we go. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Peter and John going to the temple. It's a time of prayer. Three in the afternoon, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. He was put there every day to beg for those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but I do have what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. What part of his life changed? Yes, a miracle happened and he physically got up and walked, but what was he doing? Praising God. That's the power I want. I want to be able to do things that will help people praise God. That's the power I want to talk about. There, miracles, those, miracles happen. And people that see miracles and have lived miracles testify to those miracles and that it was in the power of Jesus. But let's not get caught up in something miraculous. Let's just get caught up in I want the power to be able to help people praise God. And in that moment, this is what helped that to take place. Paul prays that they will understand the power of Jesus. As Paul prays, ultimately as we wrap up, he points to Jesus as the authority. Verses 21, 22, well, I mean, it just continues. 21, 22, uh, I got to flip back to Ephesians because I did that wrong. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realm, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus, Jesus is our authority. Jesus is our authority. This is, this is a great thing. When he prays these things for us, when he prays that we will know him better, when he prays that we'll understand our, our inheritance to our identity, when he prays that we will have power, we don't have to try to figure any of that out. We don't have to understand the rules for any of that. We don't have to understand what it means to live for any of that because Jesus gives all of that to us because he is over and above and through and in everything. We don't have to figure it out. We just have to submit to him. Growing up, I, there, I made mistakes as a kid, but I, there are a lot of things that I learned. If I just do what my parents say, then I don't have issues with them. I remember my brother calling me in college. He goes, how come you never got in trouble about curfew? I said, because I never miss curfew. And if I was going to miss curfew, I'd let them know, this is what's going on. I'll be late. 
We don't have to try to figure out our own rules. We just have to operate under the rules and authority of Jesus. And if we do that, I guarantee all these other things will fall into place. But we're proud Americans. We like to do things our way. Submit. When we submit to him, I believe these prayers will come true. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're saying, hey, I want to get to know God better. Um, You know, spend time with him. Spend time with him. Grow in him. Uh, Go deeper with him. Spend more time with him as a person. It's not just about learning facts. It's about knowing the heart and the mind of Jesus, inviting that, the Holy Spirit in. Know who we are in Christ. Know that we get to receive that inheritance. Ask for that power. Not for my benefit, but for the benefit of helping others praise Jesus. I'm going to ask the, the music team's going to come, and actually uh, Philip, um, Tom's son, is going to close us with a special song today song is called Redeemed, and uh, I think a lot of you have probably heard this, um, but as we think about who we are in Jesus, that we're redeemed, and think about these prayers that God has in our, that uh, Paul has laid out for us. How can we pray him for other people? How can we walk in our identity?